Welcome to the Two Minute Medicine Podcast, summarizing the latest medical studies curated and written by practicing physicians. For our full suite of daily medical study summaries and updates written by practicing doctors, please visit our website at twominutemedicine.com to start reading new daily content right now for free. On this podcast, twice a month, we cover the latest in healthcare news and research evidence. We are your hosts, Deepti and Andrew. On today's episode, we'll start off by looking at health issues that have arisen in popular media and then highlight our articles of the week. If you'd like to read further, we'll provide links in the description for everything we cover. So let's get started and talk about The Last Dance. Here's the story. Salma Blair may not be walking away with the mirror ball trophy, but when she bowed out of the season of Dancing with the Stars last week, she left behind a legacy. The actress, known best for her roles in Legally Blonde and Cruel Intentions, has been living with multiple sclerosis since 2018. After several superstar performances on the show, Blair opted to leave the competition after a recent scan showed that the stress of the performing was doing damage to her body. Despite the setback, her final dance earned her a perfect score and tremendous respect from people around the globe. So what is MS? Multiple sclerosis, the disease which is causing Selma Blair to withdraw from the show, is a neurodegenerative disorder. In other words, nerves and their coding in the brain and spinal cord slowly break down. MS is an autoimmune condition, meaning that the body's own immune system mistakenly attacks healthy tissues. Treatments that dampen this misguided immune response can help ease symptoms of this disease. Although there is currently no cure for MS, early diagnosis and treatment can slow the progression of the disease and improve quality of life for patients. With an estimated 1 million Americans with MS, Selma Blair isn't the only celebrity to shine a light on the disease. Bad Mom star Christina Applegate, Everclear frontman Art Alexis and NASCAR driver Trevor Bain have all been diagnosed with the disorder. So what's next? Well, Blair's time on Dancing with the Stars has shined a light on MS, bringing awareness to the disorder. Many have applauded her bravery for competing even despite the physical challenges, such as changes in vision, touch, and movement that MS patients face. While it is important for MS patients to stay active, since exercise can help with managing symptoms, Blair's body took a toll from the strenuous activity. Many people have pointed out how this highlights the physical and emotional stress that people with disabilities face trying to navigate in a blaze society. Well, no matter how you look at it, Salma's time of the show has sparked important discussions, making her last dance more beautiful than her perfect score can portray. What an inspiring story. Next, let's talk about the latest news in politics. Liz Truss may have made history last week for becoming the shortest serving prime minister in UK history, but the real star of the headlines was ahead of lettuce. Kim Kardashian's marriage to Chris Humphreys, COVID-19 lockdowns, 
and Squid Game's reign at number one on Netflix have all been pointed out for lasting longer than Truss's time in office. While Rishi Sunak, the UK's wealthiest prime minister in history, takes office, people are looking back at the head of iceberg lettuce that outlasted the former UK prime minister's 44-day tenure. Although the lettuce may reign superior in this battle, it's important to remember that while leafy greens are a great part of a healthy diet, they can also be a source of foodborne illnesses like E. coli. When it comes to contaminated foods, lettuce is one of the biggest culprits to watch out for. In fact, a study looking at E. coli outbreaks in the United States and Canada found that from 2009 to 2018, more than 40 outbreaks could be traced back to contaminated lettuce. Just earlier this year, nearly 100 people fell ill after an E. coli outbreak was traced back to contaminated lettuce at Wendy's. Are you worried that you've had some suspicious leafy greens? Symptoms of E. coli infection to watch out for include diarrhea, stomach cramps, and fever. Although these facts don't paint the best picture of lettuce, don't bail on the kale just yet. Absolutely. And just to add in here, tips to avoid foodborne illnesses include buying fresh veggies, washing them thoroughly before eating, and storing them in a refrigerator. Taking these precautions can help reduce your risk of illness. So keep eating those greens, just maybe not the ones that have been sitting out for 44 days. On that note, Let's talk about another celebrity who's been making the headlines, an emu. Like Grumpy Cat and Noodles the Pug, Emmanuel the emu is the most recent animal to gain internet stardom. You may remember the name from months ago when videos of Emmanuel knocking down his caretaker's camera went viral. This time, Emmanuel is making headlines for a more serious reason. He contracted the avian influenza, AKA the bird flu. So why do we care about the bird flu? Well, the bird flu cases are on the rise in the United States and around the world due to a new and highly virulent strain of the disease. The outbreak has resulted in poultry birds in the US passing away in record-breaking numbers. You may find that your Thanksgiving turkey is a bit more expensive this year as the cost of chicken and turkey has been on the rise as a result of this outbreak. If this isn't enough to convince you that bird flu is serious, get this. The increase in avian influenza spread has scientists concerned that the virus may start infecting humans. In fact, the very first human case of this avian influenza virus in the US was reported back in April. Although the risk to humans remains quite low, bird flu infections have the potential to be quite severe. So, Gigi, how do we stay safe and avoid infection? Good question. In the wake of Emmanuel's sickness, experts have taken the opportunity to educate TikTok and Twitter users alike that avoiding contact with infected animals and their droppings is the best way to prevent getting sick. In fact, after all of the concern about Emmanuel, the news eventually broke that he actually never had the bird flu after all. He was just stressed. While the internet is relieved to hear that their favorite bird will be okay, that doesn't change the fact that the rise in bird flu cases continues to be a public health concern. As we approach the three-year anniversary of the initial COVID-19 lockdown, pandemic fatigue is at an all-time high. But the results of the latest JAMA study about the cardiovascular risk one year post-COVID-19 infection may just be the incentive we all need to mask up this winter. The study found that in the year following a COVID infection, 
patients had increased risks of a number of cardiovascular problems, including arrhythmia, stroke, heart attack, heart failure, and more. As concerns grow regarding long COVID, which has a prevalence of 16 to 53% in the United States, we are reminded that long-term symptoms of COVID can be more than just a chronic cough. Some may ask, but what about myocarditis? Myocarditis, or inflammation of the heart muscle, became a household term when reports of COVID-19 vaccines increasing risk of myocarditis hit the news. You may be wondering if the results of the JAMA study were due to COVID-19 infections, or rather vaccinations. Turns out, the study accounted for this and found that myocarditis was increased in patients in the year following COVID-19 infection, regardless of vaccination status. So what would you say is the takeaway message here? Well, regular exercise and a healthy diet might not be the only things we need to protect our heart. Continued masking and hand washing may need to be added to that list. And with that, we'd like to move into the second part of our episode today, where we'll highlight two very interesting articles of the week. Our first article of the week comes from the New England Journal of Medicine and is entitled Trial of Thrombectomy 6 to 24 Hours After Stroke Due to Basilar Artery Occlusion. Stroke due to basilar artery occlusion is associated with a poor prognosis. While endovascular thrombectomy improves patient outcomes for acute stroke due to occlusion in the anterior circulation, there's far less research exploring the efficacy of thrombectomy for blockages in the posterior circulation, such as that in the basilar artery. This multi-center randomized control trial conducted in China evaluated the efficacy and safety of endovascular thrombectomy and medical therapy compared to medical therapy alone in patients with acute ischemic stroke due to basilar artery occlusion. A total of 218 patients underwent randomization as part of this study. Patient functional status was evaluated at 90 days using the modified ranking scale. The primary efficacy outcome was changed from a modified ranking scale score of 0 to 4 to 0 to 3 due to merging evidence from other clinical trials that were not available at the time of the protocol design. Good functional status, defined by a modified ranking scale score of 0 to 3, was observed in significantly more patients in the thrombectomy group compared to the control group. Basilar artery patency at 24 hours was also observed in significantly more patients in the thrombectomy group compared to the control group. Notably, the incidence of symptomatic intracranial hemorrhage at 24 hours was significantly higher in the thrombectomy group compared to the control group. In the same issue of the journal, a second multi-center randomized control trial comparing thrombectomy versus medical therapy alone within 12 hours of stroke onset had similar results, demonstrating significantly better functional outcomes. This trial found that thrombectomy reduced mortality at 90 days, despite the higher risk of intracerebral bleeding and procedural complications. Our second article of the week comes from the British Medical Journal and is entitled Effective Financial Incentives Provided with UK Stop Smoking Services on the Cessation of Smoking in Pregnant Women, CPIT3, Pragmatic Multicenter Single-Blinded Phase 3 Randomized Control Trial. 
Maternal tobacco smoking is responsible for adverse health outcomes, including death among women and their infants. Midwives in the United Kingdom do not have sufficient time and training to counsel mothers who are current smokers, and these mothers are offered counseling by dedicated stop smoking services. However, women who continue to smoke while pregnant may not engage with cessation services. This study looked at the effects of financial incentives to encourage participation in maternal smoking cessation services. The Cessation in Pregnancy Incentives trial recruited pregnant women from seven UK stop smoking services serving maternity hospitals in Scotland, Northern Ireland, and England. Included were English-speaking women that were self-reported smokers, 16 years of age or older, and before 24 weeks of gestation. Women were offered up to £400 in shopping vouchers at four time points throughout the trial. A £50 voucher to engage with a stop smoking service, another £50 voucher if not smoking after four weeks, a £100 voucher if smoke-free after 12 weeks, and a £200 voucher if the patient was verified to have quit smoking in late pregnancy at a random date between 34 and 38 weeks gestation. This randomized controlled trial included 944 participants from the seven sites between January 2018 and April 2020, who were randomized in a one-to-one -one ratio to the control group or incentive group. With respect to smoking cessation, there was a significantly higher proportion of biochemically verified non-smokers in the group that was offered incentives when compared to participants in the control group. With respect to secondary outcomes, there's significantly more engagement with stop smoking services and biochemically verified non-smoking at four weeks after the preset stop smoking date in the incentives group versus the control group. However, at six months postpartum, there was no significant difference between the groups in terms of biochemically verified non-smokers. In summary, the findings from this study suggest that incentives offered in this prospective randomized controlled trial resulted in a significant decrease in maternal smoking rates, though the impacts were nullified by six months postpartum. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Two Minute Medicine podcast. New episodes come out every other week and all of our content has been curated and written by practicing physicians please head to our website at 2minutemedicine.com to learn more and to access all of our content, including medical study summaries, visual abstracts, excerpts from our classics book series, which is available on Amazon, and The Scan, which is our medical newsletter. We'd like to acknowledge the following members of our team for their contributions to this week's episode. Ashley Jackson, Bryant Lim, Kira Liblick, Michael Wong, Alex Chan. Thank you so much once again. To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our content, please subscribe and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at 2minmed.